I had students just back from Vietnam who had a whole lot of trouble accepting me as an authority figure. Uh, many of them were younger than I was. And what gives you the right to tell us what to do when we've been over there risking our life for our country? So uh, I used to hang around after class to talk to them to try to understand what was going on in their minds. They would tell me about how they had trouble sleeping, how they had nightmares, how if they heard backfires or loud noises, it wasn't uncommon for some of them to dive to the pavement. It was then I began to learn about certain uh, behavior patterns that we now call post-trauma stress. And I thought what I would do was write a novel which was about a version of the students who might had. You wanna see and you wanna see Like when the xenomorph took out Harry Dean You wanna see and you wanna see Like when Bobby D says you're talking to me Seen it all with Jeff and John Hey everybody, welcome to Seen It All with Jeff and John The podcast where we break down our favorite scenes from our favorite movies I am Jeff Glover. And I'm John Zabriskie. And you don't want to accept the fact that you're dealing with an expert in guerrilla warfare. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and in this episode, we didn't come to rescue Rambo from you. We came here to rescue you from him. That's right. We are talking about a scene from the 1982 action movie classic, First Blood. John Rambo, a drifter, just passing through their town. Morning! Headed north or south? North. Now jump in. I'll make sure you're heading the right direction. You got some place I can eat around here? There's a diner about 30 miles up the highway. Is there any law against me getting something here? Yeah, me. I want you to book this gentleman for vagrancy, resisting arrest, carrying a concealed weapon. They knew he was innocent. Starting to dislike you. A lot. And they didn't give a damn. That's okay, Warren. Don't worry about the soap. He's tough. Just save him. Crack. Don't move. I don't want you to cut your own throat. John Rambo. One man who's been pushed too far. You're finished! You've gone as far as you're gonna go! Headed straight for the top. <laughs> right on top. There's no way out of here except through us. He was hunted. Trapped. There he is! On the cliff! And forced to fight back. Don't push it, I'll give you a war you won't believe. Teasel, you and all your men couldn't handle him before. Now, what makes you think you can handle him now? Because God knows what damage he's prepared to do. You don't seem to want to accept the fact that you're dealing with an expert in guerrilla warfare. Are you telling me that 200 men against your boy is a no-win situation for us? Send that money. Don't forget one thing. A good supply of body bags. Sylvester Stallone. This time, he's fighting for his life. First Blood. Starring Sylvester Stallone. And Brian Dennehy. And Brian Dennehy. Ooh, <laughs> low-key MVP of this movie. I am excited to talk about this movie with you, John. 
Yeah, I'm I'm excited too. Uh, it's was your choice this week, and I was excited to hear uh, about a movie that I had never seen before. So my history with this movie is going to be pretty brief. But uh, if I can dive in the history, if if that's okay. Yeah, I was uh, super stoked to realize when I said this movie on last uh, episode that you had never seen this before. This is the first time that one of us has watched a movie for the first time for this project, right? That's right. And uh, this is, uh, in recent years, become one of my faves, which I'll talk about uh, in a little bit. But uh, yeah, like I guess I'm curious. One, uh, how is it that you had never seen First Blood, <laughs> and uh, what was your like first impressions? Like, oh, how did yeah. it go? Yeah. No, thanks for asking. Well, well, I mean, just overall, the Rambo franchise. I, I had honestly seen most of part two, if not all of part two in my youth, maybe mm. a little bit of three. And as I'm watching the movie for the first time, first blood all the way through, I'm realizing I've never seen any of this movie. Like I thought wow. I had, but it was, it was incredible how I had, I had just never seen any of it uh, because, you know, certain as a kid, when you watch these movies, like even certain scenes, like those will stick in your head, you know, you'll remember, Oh, I remember seeing that scene. I remember the scene from this movie, but I had never seen any part of this movie I'd seen, you know, like I said, most of probably all of two, maybe a little bit of three. And then when four came out, I remember watching some of that, uh, did not watch five, uh, but then I tried to marathon all five movies over the last couple of weeks since you last recommended it. It's, yeah. it's been a trip. It's been a trip. We can talk about like the different movies later, but uh, that's my history. Um, other than like also seeing parodies like UHF, uh, sure. The Hot Shots <laughs> movies. War. It's fantastic. Yeah, but what about you, Jeff? So I actually have a pretty similar history with this movie. Like, <laughs> I, uh, it's it's really interesting. If I if someone was to ask me, like, who were my my eighties like action heroes growing up, I, I would have said probably number one Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. Um, I always watched any movie that had Schwarzenegger in it. And actually, later on in the eighties and early nineties, I was a big Van Damme fan. Um, mm. My my friends and I watched Bloodsport, and we mm-hmm. loved the hell out of that movie. And I would rent anything that had Van Damme on the cover. We watched Cyborg, uh, Kickboxer, Lionheart, Time Cop, like all those movies from the late 80s into the early and mid 90s. I was a big Van Damme fan. Um, For some reason, Sly Stallone was just not really my guy. Like I love Tango and Cash, of course. Tango and Cash. Tango and Cash. Cash. Tango and Cash. Uh, And like the Rocky movies are good. Like I, you know, seen Rocky one and recognized that it was a great movie mm-hmm. and I'd seen two and three and four, but they, you know, I like those movies, but they, I wasn't a big Rocky person. Like some people are, you know, like some people like really love those movies. The same oh, way yeah. that, that we like, you know, Schwarzenegger movies or something. Exactly. Um, so I just, you know, Stallone was just never on my radar as like a big action guy for me. And, uh, same as you. Like I grew up and I'd see clips of Rambo movies on cable HBO here and there. And it was, it all kind of looked the same to me. It all was like him blowing shit up in the jungle, um, like glistening pecs, you yep. know, like lots of gunfire, like kind of ridiculous action scenes. And that was my impression of Rambo flash. Okay. So flash forward till, like three years ago, flash yeah. forward from my youth to like three years ago till I can actually pinpoint the day when I realized that I had never seen first blood. And I looked this up because uh, uh, 
podcast that both you and I like uh, that is hosted by a, a mutual friend of ours called Friendly Fire. Um, they did an episode on First Blood, and I looked it up. That episode came out February 2nd, 2018. So that was just over three years ago. And I started listening to that episode. They got like 10 minutes into the episode, and I realized I have never seen this movie. Wow. Like, I've, how is it possible that I've never seen the actual original Rambo movie? Right. Um, and at that moment, I turned off the podcast and I went and I, I got a copy of it. I think I just rented it or bought it online and, uh, and watched it and absolutely loved it. And mm-hmm. I was, I was shocked by how different it was from the Rambo sequels. Like right. it did not take place in Vietnam or overseas. It did not have a whole bunch of over the top explosions all over the place. Well, it kind of does well. near the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it. Yeah. But, uh, it was just such a good, well-made, solid action movie. Since seeing it that that first time, like three years ago, I've probably watched it like five, six times. Wow! And uh, I love it when I when I got my 4K Blu-ray player uh, last Christmas. It was one of the first 4K Blu-rays that I bought. Was First Blood, mm-hmm. um, and now it's one of my definitely one of my favorite action movies of the eighties, but I mean, I think it's one of my favorite action movies of all time. Like, wow. I really, really love this movie. So when you said (laughs) this was your first time watch, I was really, really excited for you. I love the idea of like kind of rewatching a movie through the eyes of somebody else who hasn't seen it yet. So um, yeah, I hope that was a a fun watch for you. Oh, definitely. Yeah. First impressions uh, for me were, yeah, just really satisfying watch. Uh, it's more of a downer than I was expecting, but mm-hmm. with all that drama, like as I'm growing older, I'm realizing, well, I do, I do somewhat like the drama sometimes more than all the explosions. It's, it's not always; <laughs> it's pretty rare. But I do like the the human element. Uh, we're we're telling a character story, not just uh, not just kind of making an excuse for him to blow up stuff, but telling his story. Um, and yeah, my wife watched this with me. We just sat down and watched it on the TV about a week and a half ago. So just like a few days after you said that was going to be our next movie. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, she, she came away, I think really liking it too. She just really, uh, enjoyed the drama. Uh, like I said, the character study, um, and we both uh, felt extremely bad for Sylvester Sloan's character, John Rambo, just this poor drifter. Yeah. Drifter. Yeah. Yeah. Being harassed non-stop by the police for really no reason that you never find out like a reason here. And there's a little bit maybe of a reason explained in the book, but still that said, like there's no, <laughs> there's no validation for what he goes through. I, I feel like, like Stallone playing John Rambo in this movie, much more so than any of the sequels is playing like a real character. And I think, yeah, that's why I like it more is you really, especially in the first, you know, before this scene that we're going to talk about today starts at, at minute 15. And so the first 15 minutes of the movie, I think do a really good job of just kind of setting up this character. We don't know a whole lot about their backstory, but we learn enough to realize like who he is, sort of what he's gone through. He was a Vietnam vet. Now he's home. He's kind of a drifter, doesn't really mm-hmm. have a home, you know. The country has sort of turned its back on a lot of these Vietnam vets. Back. Back. 
And uh, and I think Stallone is actually really good playing that part. You know, in in the sequels, he becomes sort of this brick wall of a character in a sense. Like he's very stoic. Right. He doesn't really his voice, his expression rarely changes. Right. <laughs> uh, I feel like in 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 First Blood, he's actually playing a real character, and uh, it makes the movie all the more better for it. You know. Yeah. yeah. I. I- I mean, having watched the back to back, did you watch two and three also at this during the same period? Yeah, in the last so couple I, weeks. So since I announced that we were going to do this movie, I watched. I actually uh, ordered uh, Rambo two. And, well, I should say. By the way, they, they can fucking come up with a naming convention <laughs> that's consistent, and I would be happy because the first movie is First Blood. Yeah. The next one is Rambo First Blood Part Two, and then the third one is just Rambo Three. And like, Rambo let's Three. Cho- let's choose a style and go with it. Can we, people? And the fourth anyway. one is just named Rambo. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> So stupid. God damn it. Um, so I I actually ordered uh, uh, Rambo First Blood Part 2 and Rambo 3 on 4K. Um, and so I got the original trilogy on 4K Blu-ray. And I watched all three over the last two weeks. Awesome. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. For whatever reason, ha- just having watched all three of those like in a row – Right, the first one and the third one for the first time ever, and the second mm-hmm. one, second one for the first time in probably thirty years. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, I just just really enjoyed that initial trilogy, and they just kind of took what happened at the end of this movie where he blows up the whole town, basically of Hope, right, <laughs> Hope Washington, just, just carrying it over. <laughs> yeah, and they just that's what they took away. They took right. away uh, his backstory as a uh, as a specialist, as a Green Beret with a lot of background guerrilla fighting uh, and the fact that he's just so good at blowing stuff up. And they said, well, we can just capitalize on this. We can make a ton more money because as it was, I think they made something like almost 10 times the budget yeah. uh, at the box office. And they took it to be a, you know, a series of five total movies so far. Uh, there was even a cartoon series. Um, yeah. There's probably other merchandise I'm not thinking about, but like he had his, you know, he has, a term going Rambo named after him. Like mm-hmm. if I think of Arnold, you know, blazing a path of destru- destruction through a scene or through a movie, like I can't say for sure, like, Oh, he has a, uh, a Rambo analog. He just doesn't like he has the yeah. Terminator, but like the Terminator is very different than Rambo. And I'll be back. All these other things like Dutch is a one-off stick around. Uh, John Matrix is a one-off. Just bodies. So I guess, right. I guess Arnold's analog is just Arnold, really, to, to <laughs> the Rambo movies. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Like the parallels between the Rambo series and the Rocky series are there. Like, right. Like the original Rocky movie is actually a very quiet movie. That's a character study of this kind of, you know. Um, blue collar guy that wants to get into boxing and it culminates with a very famous, like, you know, in the boxing scene, action packed boxing scene. But you know, the whole part of the movie before that's really just sort of about Rocky Balboa, the character. Mm -hmm. And you could, you could say the same thing here, although this movie has a lot more action, Mm -hmm. um, but it is also very much a character study. Um, And then it almost gets into when you look at, you know, Rambo two, Rambo three, it's a, almost a parody of itself as it right. keeps on going. And the Rocky movies were kind of the same way. Like they got a little more 
you know, ridiculous and commercialized and, and, you know, I love Rocky three and Rocky four, like they're super fun movies, but Mm -hmm. they're not the same type of movie that Rocky one is, you know? Right. Um, Rocky three comes out the same year, 1982. Right. Yeah. I think that's pretty interesting. It's like, he's, he's taken this clout that he's earned from the Rocky franchise and decides to roll it over. And he sort of starts brand new. I don't know if he anticipated that, that Rambo would become a franchise, but, um, it allowed him to kind of start with this new character. And he started with this character in sort of the same way, like kind of a quiet, you know, character study, which then turns into an action movie. But um, I I think you can make some parallels there between those two series. Interesting. Interesting. I think, and when you talk about that first movie, Oh my gosh, the cat's just going crazy in the background playing with Legos. (laughs) Oh, well, I'm not going to cut it. Let's keep it in. We're doing it live. Do it live. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. But uh, yeah, what I noticed about like the first movie and like a series of movies with lots of sequels where usually it's clear that first movie was the only thing they had planned was like they're basing that first movie off like a script that's been bouncing around and it's been just rewritten and rewritten and rewritten or it's based on a book that's well known and well loved or it's like just someone's collection of ideas that they have put like all their heart and soul into and so that first movie just has everything done, usually like the best in the series. Um, yeah, some series do sometimes improve as they go on, but mm-hmm. I feel like those good ideas are really concentrated into that first movie. And then like we're talking about two and three, uh, they're just kind of like, well, what worked from the first movie or what drew people in? You know, what did uh, the people in Peoria, the test audience, like the best from that first movie? Oh, they like the explosions. Great. Okay. Right. They like they like to had a little bit of background. Great. Um, they like that message of <laughs> love our troops. Right. <laughs> which which comes clear through here. Like we need to love our troops. But then I think I texted you at like you don't hear anything about that for the second movie until the very end where he's like, what do you want? John and John's like and Rambo's like, I just want it. Whatever other soldier wants. I want to be treated with respect. Like that didn't come across right. at all in the movie. Rambo oh, my God. Too. I know. <laughs> What is it you want? I want what they want. And every other guy who came over here and spilt his guts and gave everything he had once for our country to love us as much as we love it. That's what I want. It's it's silly to the point that it you laugh you know like it's i don't know i i upon rewatching two and three i i really enjoyed part two for what it was like Mm -hmm. i was anticipating that it was going to be almost a parody of the character which it is um but in a really fun way i think if you can let go of that it's just a pretty fun action movie with a lot of a lot of money spent on the screen yeah um and then same with part three part three is I I went from like being almost like pretty bored by it for the first 45 minutes. Yes, 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 yes. I would I would have made that same note if I was taking notes on that movie. Yeah, and then all of a sudden that whole scene happens when he's playing that game with the dead goat on the horses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden the Russians come in and everything is exploding and like in the middle of their game. I just the- love that. Like how often <laughs> I think I thought that was a super bold move in that movie. Like right. it's like it's like, yeah, we realize we didn't give you any action yet. We're gonna like interrupt 
this sport, which is action packed, dragging a dead goat around to like more action, like the real bad guys just show up in the middle of the game. I thought that was, I thought that was awesome. And just like, so like such a fun touch. And like I've mentioned either here or no, I must have mentioned that, mentioned that before the recording, but I think three was the first one where they're actually making jokes. Uh, yeah. Like, like, like trying to make jokes. And what you see is like the, in my opinion, like MVP a to, to uh, Sylvester's MVP one, uh, yeah. Sam Troutman, Richard Crenna, who's just just eats up, like is just chewing the <laughs> heck out of the scenery in this movie and the second one, and then the third one. They said, you know what? Give him his own mission. Like he's gonna he's gonna go on the Rambo mission before Rambo does. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna put him right in the middle of the action. Yeah, we he's gonna to go him. check on the Russians. We get to see Troutman like in it. Oh, and they're just quipping back and forth. I I love that. It was like, oh, okay, this is because they're all different movies. There's like right. I couldn't point to any of the movies and say like, oh, they're just doing that again. Like they, yeah. they don't. Part three really leans into the self awareness of what they're doing, right? And um, and yeah, and after that that action scene begins when they're throwing the dead goat around, <laughs> it pretty much never lets up for the rest of the film. And like the whole rest of the movie is one big, long giant action sequence. And so from mm-hmm. then on, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll watch this. I'll finish this out. <laughs> um, but uh, it was definitely of the three that I watched, it was the silliest. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. But uh, I was still entertained. So I'm actually kind of glad I stopped there. It sounds mm-hmm. like four and five would have left me pretty disappointed. So oh, four and five, like it's like, I don't know what, I guess Stallone was thinking, well, what people really like was like just how serious and how grim everything is, uh, especially <laughs> for, especially for a veteran, I don't know, 30 years after the events of the third movie. It's like, what well, I thought at the end of the third movie, he was supposed to go home, but he doesn't. It happens at the end of the fourth movie. And then we see just how grim that take is. I, I can't recommend four and five, um, but yeah, I thought one, two and three were just, a way fun trilogy to watch like a holy eighties trilogy, a holy eighties action movie trilogy, much like the first three in it. Sorry. Much like the Indiana Jones trilogy. Yeah. Uh, that's a good way to put it. It's a, it's just a, a great eighties action trilogy. Absolutely. Like all the action tropes of an eighties action trilogy are there. Yeah. <laughs> like somewhat serious first movie and then a slightly more ridiculous uh, second movie and then a fully ridiculous third movie to the point that you have other movies uh, parroting you and making fun of you, <laughs> you know, like uh, hot shots or UHF um, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. all have great like Rambo parody scenes. I'm your worst nightmare. Well, speaking of which, I mean, should we talk about Predator now or during the discussion? Uh, no, let's get into it. I think we'll move on to the scene here pretty quick. But uh, okay. yeah, yeah, open yeah. it up. What you got? So you had talked about this uh, realization that you had not watched First Blood. And yeah. I didn't remember you saying that until I was actually listening to our old episode of Predator Minute way back when, Predator Minute 18. Oh, we were just children then. We were just boys to the rambos that we are now just recording with like like broken microphones that we found in a dumpster just a couple whiskers on our mustaches just a couple of you know needles sticking out of the veins uh, just, just a couple welcome to predator minute the podcast that analyzes the 1987 action sci-fi classic predator one minute at a time i'm your host john zabriskie and i'm jeff glover like immature idiots drinking Bartles and James. What were we doing? 
we released that episode back in 1224 2018 back Back. so two and a half years ago Mm. can't even believe it sometimes but that is where dutch and his team have come across the skin bodies billy's trying to explain to everybody what happened just bodies just bodies Uh, and I had the theory. I had the theory because it was all uh, that film or that scene was all about them coming across a bunch of executed and skinned green berets, green berets, mm. special force soldiers. And this is Predator coming out in 1987 as somewhat of a reaction to the proliferation of 1980s action movies that really romanticized, lionized the special forces and green berets. And I, I had a theory that this lionization goes back to back to this movie, first blood 82 Mm. showing like the person who is wronged is the special forces, green beret soldiers who is capable of blowing up things who is now after I've watched first blood, I see, okay, predator has even taken the trap making from this movie. It's taken the, Really the trap good. making montage. Yeah, the trap making montage. This taking care of business that yes. Arnold makes with his knife and the stakes. It, Sly did it first. He did. Um, and Sly, Sly is even uh, Rambo in this movie. First Blood is even acting like the predator, just kind of jumping out of the trees and mm. taking the people down, not killing them. So he's doing it the non-lethal way, but all the same. Like Rambo, I think was a huge inspiration for Predator to the point where Predator is even basically calling attention to it saying, Oh, you know how bad this predator in our movie, this antagonist is He's so bad that he can kill a whole team of Rambos. He can kill them, string them up. Um, I remember saying that theory way back when, like it really stuck in my mind. Uh, And here I am watching this movie. I'm seeing, okay, more than just them calling that like predators borrowing a ton of ideas from this movie. God, do you think Schwarzenegger was like, fuck you, Sly. I can make a movie about, fighting something in the woods <laughs> yes oh absolutely <laughs> like, absolutely and the, yeah. and, the, and the predator that if you remember like the whole predator idea supposedly came about by people writing a script in reaction to well right. rocky has beaten right. the russians and everybody else he's never beaten aliens but to me like that was predator is never about that predator is about rambo taking on aliens there's nothing uh. rocky about that movie except for of course carl weathers oh man nice connection there yeah it brings uh, back memories of the the predator man i even listened to that really episode yeah, yeah and, and listen to that episode you had specifically talked about watching first blood for the first time like in the recent past and i was like what like listening to that well, that's a crazy today. like serendipitous uh, connection there that i was yeah. actually talking about watching first blood for the first time yeah wow, wow wild that's exciting uh, Predator Minute, everybody. Uh, the <laughs> show where we broke down the action, so 1987 action sci-fi classic Predator, one minute at a time. You can find it all on your podcatching app. He's John Jabrisky, <laughs> and I am Jack Lover. Um, stick around. Stick around. <laughs> that's that's the entire uh, all 107 or 104 shows all in one right there for <laughs> that, that was it. That was it. <laughs> that was it. That's every. Uh, that's that's all of it. Yeah. You got the gist now. You can move on. <laughs> <laughs> all right um we should probably get into the scene here so yeah what, what scene are we talking about jeff i realize it's been almost half an hour <laughs> this is about when we start talking about the scene thank you for asking so our scene today we're going to call this the police station escape mm. and for those of you following along at home this is going to be minute 15 flat 
all the way to minute 21 and five seconds. Mm-hmm. So about six, just over six minutes of action here. And this is the scene where that begins with uh, Rambo um, getting uh, detained by the police and they try to shave him. He then, <laughs> he then breaks out of the police station and it ends by him running off into the woods with officer, uh, Teasel, thank you. Sure, Officer, Teasel. I almost said Teagle. Officer Teasel uh, yelling at him as he runs off into the woods. Weasel. <laughs> Weasel. Yeah. I will uh, just jump to our segment. Why did I choose this scene? Why did you choose this scene, Jeff? Oh, thank you for asking. <laughs> so I chose this scene because I felt like it was uh, really the catalyst for this entire movie. Mm. And you might even argue it's the catalyst for this entire series of movies. I love just the the action uh, set piece of him breaking out of the police station. And then the subsequent chase scene through the town is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into it. But it's also the first action scene that we get in this movie. And it also lets you into Rambo's psyche a little bit. You kind of learn that he's not well. Like he's... Oh, uh, yeah. This I, I don't know uh, the whole landscape of how movies in the early 80s were dealing with um, combat veterans and PTSD, but I, I feel like this has to be one of the first movies that it kind of explicitly talks about or shows that soldiers coming back from Vietnam have some serious PTSD issues. Yeah. Uh, and we get that here and it, and it, uh, is the catalyst for him breaking out. Um, it's just a fantastic action sequence. And, uh, as soon as this sequence is over, when it ends, I am 100% in on this movie. I want to know what's going to happen next. I want to know how things are going to play out. And I'm 100% behind John Rambo. I want to know what's going to happen. So this to me is the scene from this movie. Yeah, it's it's essentially sets up the whole pursuer, pursue, yeah, pursuer, pursuee mm-hmm. relationship. Who's going to be chasing whom? Uh, because yeah, once like you're saying, once he goes up into the mountains, you know the chase is just going to continue, and that's going to be the movie. That's the movie. Yeah. Rainbow, so for, for, first chase, or I don't know, <laughs> first, first, first chase. break. <laughs> I don't know. So, John, what is at stake in this scene? Would you say? Uh, I would say, well, much like you were setting the table earlier, saying this is really showing off Rambo's psyche, but also his skills, his improvisation. Uh, it's also like just for the character Rambo this is he could potentially be put away for life perhaps mm. just rotting in a jail and nobody knowing about him them not really doing their due diligence and reporting this prisoner they put away um but after he escapes just like i was saying like the stakes are raised to such where he has made all these enemies who are going to chase him uh, likely with lethal intent because at one point right <laughs> at one point uh yeah, one of the characters tries to shoot him during this scene. It's really brief, but you realize, oh, these guys aren't messing around. They're not <laughs> treating him like, I don't know, some kind of, uh, I don't know, shoplifter or something like that. Yeah, that's the other thing I, I didn't mention. But at, at the end of this scene, not only am I 100% into seeing what happens with John Rambo, but I'm also 100% invested in hating these cops. Absolutely. These cops fucking suck. <laughs> they are the worst. They are the worst. They are awful. 
backwoods piece of shit cops <laughs> that uh, are too big for their britches that think they own this little goddamn town. And uh, I'm getting angry just talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> but you hate the, you hate these cops after this scene. Oh, yeah. these cops are the worst. They're the worst, except for David Crusoe. He's 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 fine. He's, he's just the only one that's like voicing any sort of dissent. And and even then, he, I mean, he is kind of like you get the sense that he's the rookie there. He's, he's the, the rookie. Young, he's rabbit. Yeah. He's rabbit. So yeah. he's not jumping in to stop anything. But at the very least, you're right. He is voicing a little dissent here. But yeah, uh, you, you would you would wish that he would speak up a little more. But you know, I I also understand the position that he's in. So anyway. Yeah, These cops were the worst. Yeah, let's let's hope they uh, get their just desserts here in this scene. But do you want to start uh, with part one of our scene description? I definitely do. Our scene b- 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 breakdown. B- 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 breakdown. We're not going to do that. But if we did, it would sound something like this. Sound something like that. Breakdown. Breakdown. All right. It's seven episodes in. It's time to introduce new segments. All right. We're going to get into part one. We're going to break this scene down into three parts. The first part is going to run from minute 15 uh, till minute 17 and 12 seconds. Mm-hmm. Having just been fire hosed down, Deputy Mitch, played by David Caruso, leads John Rambo into a room where another officer intends to shave Rambo's face. As Deputy Galt, played by Jack Sterrett, restrains and chokes Rambo, Mitch protests. Rambo begins to have flashbacks of being tortured by a Vietnamese soldier while tied up. Rambo shoves himself and Galt backwards into a wall, kick, kicks Mitch, kicks Deputy Ward, the shaver, backwards and slams Galt hard into the wall before punching Mitch and then slamming Galt into some prison bars. Rambo then flips Ward over and punches him before backhanding Galt. As Rambo leaves the room, he kicks an incoming deputy and throws him through an interior window. Teasel approaches the area as Rambo does a swinging kick from the ceiling bars to knock him down. Rambo runs up the stairs towards the basement exit just as an officer opens the same exit. Rambo punches the officer, throws him out of an exterior window, then gives a flying kick to another officer and trips up yet another one, making sure to elbow that last officer in the face before leaving the police station. <laughs> my, my favorite, not my, I guess my, the favorite comical moment of this whole uh, three-part scene is <laughs> him tripping the randomly walking in officer with like a box of yes. know, office supplies or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> even, the officer even is going like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, this, is, this is terrible. Like I, I'm not equipped for the situation. Yeah, right that now. poor schlub. He's like, I was just getting the donuts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he drips him and then elps him in the face. It's all fuck. Oh, uh, oh man. Oh, and speaking, um, of, speaking of that elbow, I can just dive right into the trivia. Mm-hmm. Uh, this uh, this is, hang on, where is the little trivia? Uh, this is where he actually broke the actor's nose. Uh, Alf Humphreys, who's playing Lester, 
Uh, when is, he did that elbowing, he actually yes, busted is, the guy's face. Which is why he has the Band-Aid throughout the rest of the movie. It oh. happens It happens in the book, too, that he has the broken nose. Oh, that's uh, a funny uh, but it's, through line. But it's yeah. so funny that throughout the rest of the movie, I think he's working radio throughout the rest of the movie, if I remember. Right, okay. Like, you just kind of see him pulling the farve of, like, yeah, this is radio. <laughs> Come in, radio. Don't Come in, radio. radio. <laughs> Thanks, radio. I want to go back to the beginning of this this section. Please. I I really feel like, you know, I was saying earlier how in the subsequent sequels, Stallone is really stone-faced and um, stoic and mm-hmm. uh, doesn't do a whole lot of acting, really. <laughs> and I feel like in, in the beginning of this scene when, when they bring in those shaving supplies and you see Rambo looking at them, he becomes visibly uncomfortable and extremely anxious. Yeah. And I th- I think it's it's really cool to see Stallone who doesn't isn't all, you know, there's been a lot of films in his career where he doesn't get a chance to like really be an actor, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and I think in this case we really kind of see some of his acting chops because he I I feel his anxiousness when I'm watching him watch those shaving supplies get brought in. Uh, he's he's really freaked out, and that's the and then right away we psh, we get the uh, the flashback and and we start to realize oh he's got some serious PTSD. Yeah, I f- I feel that acting like even though he's not making the same face, I feel like that acting coming on when they're trying to make him uh, put his prints down, like he will not mm-hmm. put his fingers down on the paper to give them his prints. He's yeah. just kind of like wiping it off. He he seems like I don't know. He just he just seems like one beaten down like two just trying to like make it through the day without like breaking into like uh i don't know break like falling into old habits or something like that right Um, to me the small stature helps in some places because he is notably smaller than everybody else Hmm. Uh, Hmm. especially that fingerprinting scene it just kind of looks like he's a kid wearing too big of clothes and the adult trying to boss him around like and him just not wanting to do it but also not like actively putting up a fight, but now here, yeah, we see why he's actively putting up that fight because like the trauma just comes rushing in. Like you said, you see it in his face, you see it in his actions. Um, unlike his time there at a POW camp, you know, he has use of his limbs and he, he's able to break free. I think, I think in other movies, like going for a even darker tone, you'd have like the person just kind of frozen and they wouldn't be able to do anything. But here, like you're, you're cheering him, like breaking free of that, that mental bond or that mental, what the mental block. Yeah. You know, speaking of torture, when is it Galt? That's like, put down the cream, just shave him dry. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, Oh my God. Like that's almost worse. <laughs> that's yeah. worse than Vietnam torture. Like that's, that's brutal. Uh, especially with all that stubble that's on his face. And again, like, Every every piece of this scene just makes you hate these cops. Yeah, and, and and I, 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 I come I come out of this uh, hating Galt more than Teasel. Yeah, like, Teasel's relentless, but yeah. at the same time, Teasel's willing to dialogue with Troutman when he comes in later in the movie. He's, no, he's Galt's just an asshole. Out. Oh, Galt is just a sadistic guy. Like that's yeah. that's a guy who killed animals as a kid. You know, that's <laughs> that's someone who's. <laughs> Who's just bullying people all throughout life. And if you read like his little backstory uh, in the Rambo wiki, I think it's the Rambo wiki. Um, but 
like he he's he's been part of a lot of shady things before he was a police officer mm. which is crazy to think about like what that's okay Warren. don't worry about the soap he's tough how satisfying is it when w- once they get into the fight scene so you know rambo has a couple of those flashbacks and then he kicks some of the officers pushes them off him and then the fight scene starts like in full mm-hmm. and at one point galt grabs a like a nightstick or something and says like, you son of a bitch, come on. You son of a bitch. Yeah. And in that moment, I'm like, oh, you don't know what you're asking for. And immediately Rambo just takes care of him in like half of a second. (laughs) Yeah. He's no, yeah. Nobody's any match for Rambo to call this a fight would be, I don't know, overstating the effectiveness of the other other fighters. Really Um, just a beat down. Stallone is really throwing his weight around here and, I don't know. It's it's a, a fun fight scene because on the one hand, it's a little over the top because he's like a single person taking on an entire, you know, crew of policemen in this. Uh, right. You know, in this no, none of them are drawing weapons. Right. But at the same time, it's sort of believable because none of these guys expect this. Right. They're all like sitting around reading newspapers, eating donuts, whatever. And this guy just comes out of nowhere. He's got the element of surprise. And he is just like taking everyone to task, like right. with no problem. He's been playing, uh, geez, what is that called? He's been playing like decoy yeah. this whole time. Like just kind of silent, stoic, taking all the guff, really uh, just not fighting back at all. And then all of a sudden just exploding, like you're saying, yeah, unexpectedly doing that. Uh, yeah. could definitely catch people off guard. Um, I'm just noticing, just noticing for the first time as he's whooping up on Galt, there is one prisoner looking uh, through the bars, just kind of like hanging out, just like, oh, I'm like, like this is this is cool. Like, you don't see much of this in the small town. Maybe it's like the local drunk, you know? Right, he's in the drunk tank. <laughs> exactly. He's just like, coming to, and there's a brawl outside. <laughs> this is awesome. Like, this is the best day I've, I've ever spent here. And uh, yeah, this is these are small town guys. This is uh, they're not the expecting this. Yeah, they're not expecting this. Like. It, it, I mean, surprising. It's a, such a, a a large police force for a small town. I mean, <laughs> right. like in my experience, small towns just don't have a strong police force unless it's like a police force that's also serving outside of the town. Like here in Carnation, we don't have a police department. I think our police officers come from Duval or Snoqualmie. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and if that, there's like maybe two or three or, or maybe there's a bunch that serve the region. But uh, yeah, just just not expecting this this guy, and 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 more to the point, like we don't know as an audience what he's capable of. We don't know anything about him other than he's right. a vet. We don't learn until Troutman, you know, his exposition colonel comes through uh, partway through the movie and tells us all these things. Like you're dealing with an expert. This guy eats things that'll make a Billy Goat barf or something like that. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> That's the other thing is I there's a part of me that wishes I had been able to see this like blind, you know, like yeah. with no um no knowledge of any of the Rambo mythology back in 1982, but I was only 2 years old so that wasn't been possible, but mm-hmm. um how cool would that have been? Oh, uh the cool. other thing I was going to say about this fight scene is that um Rambo hates windows as much as he hates these cops. <laughs> Indoor, outdoor. He, yeah. <laughs> he, two different cops go flying through windows in this fight scene. <laughs> That's his special forces training kicking in. It's like Dude. when you have a window available, throw it. There's, I don't think there's any glass in two or three. And with, you know, good 
good for those uh, soldiers that he's taking on. There's no glass around them because yeah. yeah, he would tear them up. He'd throw them right through that shit. Right, that glass um, would not last long. Instead, then the they other- have, instead, they have Palapas, and he blows the heck out of the Palapas. <laughs> Target's the center of the Palapas! Right, right. <laughs> and the other thing I enjoy about this fight scene is uh, that Rambo is uh, not afraid to use his legs. There yeah. are several like jump kicks, spin kicks. At one point, there's a leg sweep. Uh, he sweeps the leg of a guy. And then, Wait, are you talking about the leg sweep of the guy holding a box, basically, oh yeah. like oh on yeah. moving day? That guy, yeah. <laughs> like, I think anybody could take that guy down. He's literally <laughs> sticking his hand out, just saying, like, no, no, no. no. Sweep <laughs> and punch. He could he could drop the box and maybe take him on, but... Yeah, but it's very uh, Guile from Street Fighter, those leg sweeps that he's doing. Oh, man, this would be actually really good with the Guile music. Have you ever watched any of those videos where it's no. Guile music goes well with everything? and it's <laughs> Oh, no. We'll show just something random, like an action scene or like something in real life. Maybe <laughs> someone like saving someone from traffic. And then all of a sudden, someone will start playing the guile music over the video. I will say also when he's doing some of his flying kicks and rolling over one cabinet, like at 1702, you just have the secretary in the background of like her big red poofy hair. And it looks like she's just continually filing her paperwork <laughs> she's, she's not even going on she's with doing her nothing job. <laughs> she's just like watching and out of focus in the background like uh, you know it's oh my god that's funny <laughs> it's a small town i guess it's like wait dude there's people in the lobby as he trips the officer elbows him in the face they're just kind of <laughs> rambo gives him like a huh, and they yeah. just kind of like just just leave man it's time to go <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, are you ready to get into uh, part two of this section? Do you have any other tidbits to add there for part one? Yeah, let's let's just remind everybody what vicious crime Rambo has committed to mm. end up in the situation, and that is the crime of vagrancy right. or being homeless. Like one of the crimes you have no control over. Mm. <sighs> Yikes! Right, it's uh, criminalizing the poor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, poor Rambo here is just trying to get through the town. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to go visit his friend. He just wanted to maybe stop and have a bite to eat. Yeah. And uh, Teasel couldn't let it go like a dick. What a dick. And then Galt really Ugh. can't let it go. Galt is just, oh, like, I, I think people villainize him. Uh, I, this is a some quote I found on maybe it's IMDb. Galt has like the small dick energy, right? Yes. Like, <laughs> yes, he has short, a, short man uh, yeah. syndrome or whatever. Yeah. They gave him a, a club and he said, all right, like the things are looking up now. Like I can hit people <laughs> right. and it's, it's allowed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be arrested this time. Hmm. Uh, I don't, I think, I think I have, Oh, I think the last thing I'll say is just a reminder I don't think I even said this yet, but this is based on the novel First Blood by David Morrell. Right. Uh, so there's there's some changes overall. The skeleton of the story is the same. So a lot of these scenes are playing out just like they're written in the book with the major, major exception that Rambo's not killing these police officers, but in the book he is. Yeah, that's a big discrepancy that I've that's never a, read the book. That's a Stallone change, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. No, Stallone wrote the screenplay. Yes. And uh, that I've never read the, the novel, but I've Me heard either. that in the novel, it's much more violent and that yeah. St- uh, Rambo is, is killing most of these people that he comes across along the way. And in this movie, there's only one person that actually dies. Do I have that right? It's just Galt. And it's that's just Galt. because yeah. 
Rambo is throwing a rock at Galt as Galt is taking pot shots from the helicopter That's right, uh, with yeah. his hunting rifle. And um, I think I, I watched that scene a couple of times and someone made mention in the trivia or somewhere else that uh, Galt is supposedly seen taking off his harness, mm. like clearly. So he was uh, more at, well, he's definitely more at fault for his death, but even just the circumstance of him falling from the copter, uh, one wouldn't argue, well, Rambo was not responsible. Like anybody in the copter should be uh, buckled in. Like you should probably buckle your seatbelt first thing when you're in the chopper, especially if you're going to hang out firing at uh, vagrants in the woods. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the original movie should have been called. Firing at vagrants in the firing woods. Firing at vagrants in the woods. <laughs> A novel. <laughs> 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 a novel about PTSD. <laughs> uh, all right, let's let's get to. So we we have this fantastic action fight sequence within the police station, mm-hmm. and now we transition to uh, part two of our scene where we get a fucking awesome chase sequence. Yeah, another chase scene involving a dirt bike we are yeah <laughs> man four jeff choices in and two of those choices <laughs> have featured chases featuring dirt bikes <laughs> dirt bikes with the I protagonist not, on the dirt bike i did not even think about that when i thought of this scene and you're absolutely right I must oh and a, a police officer in pursuit right a police officer <laughs> in a larger vehicle right yeah. so yeah arnold must have seen this and said i i knew it better uh, i'll be on a harley yeah uh, Okay, part two. We're going to go from minute 17 and 12 seconds all the way to minute 19 and 15 seconds. Rambo runs down the steps in front of the police station, runs across a police car's roof, and knocks a rider off of a dirt bike. Rambo then picks up and mounts the dirt bike as Galt, Teasel, and another deputy run down the steps. Galt tries to fire after Rambo, but Teasel shoves the rifle skyward as Galt fires. Rambo speeds down the sidewalk, yelling at people to get out of the way. Go away! I, lo- I love that, by the way. Go away! Oh, I don't know. Yeah, go away! Teasel pursues Rambo through town in a police car. Rambo and Teasel both jump the train tracks on the road leading out of town. Teasel continues chasing Rambo on a mountain highway. Rambo and Teasel exit the highway, cross a mountain creek, and continue the pursuit across farmland. Mm-hmm. Mm. I absolutely love this chase sequence. When I first watched this movie three years ago, when they began this chase sequence, I sat up onto the edge of my chair and and re and at, when it was done, I rewound it and watched it again. Yeah. Um, no, it, it it is it's solid. I'll let you keep going. Keep going. No, I was just gonna say, did did you have a similar reaction? Did you enjoy this as much as I do? I, I I love how it just ramps up like he's dude yeah he's he's beating all these people with his hands and feet and then he's fleeing it's it seems like something a specialist would be somewhat trained to do like do the damage as quick as you can but just you need to exit you need to find the fastest way out you need to zip out of there and that's exactly what he does uh, and and whatever commandeering the dirt bike and then just speeding across. <laughs> All manner of landscapes. Uh, Did you notice that when Rambo goes to commandeer the dirt bike, he definitely gets into like a triple threat position? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You don't know if he's going to dribble, pass, or shoot when he's... (laughs) (laughs) 
is he gonna club him? Is he gonna <laughs> and he kind of gets down and he like kind of wiggles his fingers, you know, in that triple threat position. And exactly. Right as the right. Dirt guy comes by, he like sidesteps and then just grabs the guy by the back of his neck or collar or whatever and yanks him off the mic. I love it. It is funny. It is as if you're trying to like kind of fake out someone on the football field like I'm right. gonna juke left, juke right, and you're someone on a dirt bike like, what do I do? Yeah. Like, am I supposed to just drive right I'm, at him? This is not normal. Yeah. <laughs> oh crap, it's just been clotheslined and, and Rambo definitely does the peaceful clothesline. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not doing some extreme like uh, ninja kick like Mission Impossible 2 kind of uh, take down. He he takes the guy. The civilian, off, yeah. But he doesn't. He, he holds him by the hood and uh, lets lets him down a little bit gently. For I guess as gently as you could, uh, as gently as you could take someone off a bike. All right. So then we get um, Rambo. For some reason, instead of uh, riding down the middle of the street, he decides to go right down the sidewalk. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And we get a, a pretty. Uh, it's hard not to laugh at it. A pretty classic, like Sly Stallone, like lip mouth where he's like get out of the way (laughs) i don't have a good i can't do it i don't have a good sly stallone impression everybody i'm sorry yeah i don't either yeah but anyway that that part always makes me laugh but then we get to the train track jump that yeah. impresses me every time I watch it. Uh, I mean, when we see Rambo first go over this, this like the, we presume we are to presume that there's like a bump in the road. I guess, that, I guess that precedes the train tracks. You can see the ramp. Let's be clear. Yeah. If you pause at eighteen oh three, you right. see the ramp. He's going you can see off the ramp. Yeah. So Rambo hits this. Uh, we'll call it quote unquote bump in the road. And- <laughs> And flies the ramp over th- out of town, <laughs> right? <laughs> and Rambo flies over these train tracks on the dirt bike, and it's an impressive jump. Mm-hmm. But then we cut back to Teasel in the police cruiser, back. and Teasel gets some fucking air <laughs> off of this thing. Like he flies through the air <laughs> over these train tracks, and every single time, I'm like, no matter how many times I've seen this, I'm like, whoa! Every time I do that. It's yeah, so it is. Oh, yeah. You you have to love like the Dukes of Haz- Hazardness of yeah. the 80s stunts. Like these are real people always doing their own stunts. Real people, real no, cars. Well, not, not always doing their own stunts, but I mean real people, yeah, doing the stunts and doing the driving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is this is someone who's going, I mean, you have to be going to have that kind of air. You have to be going, I don't know, 80 maybe and some – 80s Ford. So, did you read the, the original take on that jump they had to discard? Did you read uh, this? Is it the one I pasted in there? Uh, oh, did you write? Did you write this down? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Go ahead. Oh, okay, I thought it was hilarious, but also very painful. I sorry, I think I saw this on the Wikipedia or something. I was reading. I didn't realize that you put it in your notes, but. Uh, the the first time that they filmed that stunt, like the ramp was bigger, and the the stunt driver and the stunt car like flew through the air, like uh, it was a massive jump. And upon landing, the car just landed straight on his chassis and like busted. And the and the stunt driver driving the car like compacted his spine or like fractured yeah. his spine. Is that what yeah. happened? Yeah. Compression lumbar fracture. Oh, Jesus. And so 70, they actually, it's a, yeah, it says 70 miles an hour. So, oh my God. 
Leave it to 1982 to be like, let's get it up to 70. <laughs> yeah, it just yeah broke the car and him. Like, yeah, so the, that, that takes not in the movie, which is a huge bummer. Right. So the jump that we see was actually a retake where they had to substantially lower the ramp and slow down the driving, which boggles my mind because it's such a badass jump. Badass I can't believe jump. that. Badass jump. I, <laughs> badass bush. I can't believe that was like the toned down version. Like that is wild. <laughs> It says, when the stunt driver opened the door to exit, he found himself unable to walk, and he fell to the ground. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. It says, hope- yeah, it says, it's reshot with a more modest and believable believable car jump and landing. <laughs> You're oh, seeing a different car and a different stunt driver. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. I hope that stunt driver turned out to be okay. Ooh. I Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, when they say something like compression lumbar fro- – fracture i kind of take that to be like oh like a little bit of the spine and then someone who's stunt driving or doing stunts for uh, a living are generally going to dive right back into that field anyway they're like well it just kept me from doing driving stunts for a while but then right i never learned you know his story beyond (laughs) breaking his back during that stunt that we never saw what a bummer we never saw i know i want the uh i want the broken back version (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the broken back cut. Hashtag release the broken back cut. <laughs> Hashtag release the broken back cut. <laughs> All right. So our boy Rambo here, he's he's uh, uh, he's a little off the rails here, but he's also smart. He realizes that he will have the advantage if he can get this dirt bike off of the main road mm-hmm. and uh, get the chase onto some dirt. So so he gets off the paved road and, and hits these mountain roads, doesn't he? Yeah, he takes it to the mountain highways, the forest service roads, what have you. Yeah. Um, you and I uh, both live in the Seattle area, so we've – I don't know about you. I'm sure you have, but I, I, I'm sure both of us have at some point been on these kind some, of rough, rickety – forest service roads. Yeah, Absolutely. forest service yeah. roads, and, and you're just – Always praying, like, I hope I don't tumble down the side of the mountain. Yeah, uh, I, hope, I, hope, I hope this uh, side of the highway doesn't just give way. <laughs> right, exactly. We'll see that in the next part. We but, will. Yeah, they're, they're doing they're doing some fancy fancy uh, mountain driving. And, it, it, yeah, we'll talk more about the mountain driving in part three. But it is, yeah, it is harrowing if you've ever just driven on a mountain highway. I love when so Rambo hits this gravel dirt road and uh, there's that one scene where he kind of goes down this dip, right? And there's like a puddle and some sort of big rocks. Yeah. Small boulders you might call them. Mm-hmm. And so we see Rambo kind of navigate this no problem on the dirt bike. And then Teasel just comes flying in and you're like, "Whoa, you're not going to go down there, are you, dude?" In that like 1978 <laughs> four-door sedan like and then and he, he just does. He just does. And oh. he does not avoid that boulder that's in the middle of the, the dirt road. I don't know if you noticed that, but he just fucking hits that thing. <laughs> and uh, you can see the whole car sort of rock and shake as <laughs> as he moves down this dip and over these, these puddles and potholes and then just keeps going. And I don't know. I just uh, – I love that in this moment, you kind of realize like Teasel does not give a fuck. Like he is no. going after Rambo no matter what it takes. And then right after that, <laughs> we we get another like little jump scene where the cop car flies over a jump on the dirt road. 
And as soon as it lands, like his hubcap flies off. Yes, yes. Like he is messing up this car. He does not care at all. <laughs> no, he is he's going after him. But okay, here's the rock scene at 18. Oh my god. He See what I'm hits talking the about? Rock and then he hits the water yeah. and he goes up and slams and like <laughs> looks like some piece flies off and Brian does his close-up just tells you everything like someone would be experiencing like this. <laughs> This is going to end this car. I think I think I read somewhere, but didn't make this note, but I think I read somewhere they they went through like three or four cars to make this, which is surprisingly few. I was going to say, I'm surprised. The amount of stunt more. driving that this thing is being put through. Yeah. Um, I love the uh, Then later Rambo enters the farm and the car does another jump. <laughs> my Jeez. favorite. It's one of my favorite bits of this scene. Another favorite bit of this scene, because once the car jumps and hits the ground in the farmland, like you hear <laughs> just the littlest of horn honks, like this little piece. And in the in the comment section when I saw this video, someone said, well, it's probably the driver like slamming forward and <laughs> hitting the horn with his chest. Right. <laughs> right. Like, oh. <laughs> Ugh. He is taking this car to cat. <laughs> it, just, it just makes his little burp. Rambo doesn't like windows, dude. Teasel does not like cars. No, yeah, it's like it's like yeah, we're we're coming up on like we're having to right ask for no more cars, and we have to be proving that these cars uh, are pretty much done. Like shocks are all gone. <laughs> oh my god! No working you know, lights. <laughs> it's one of the reasons I think why I just I so loved this movie when I when I saw this just a few years ago is like. You know, these are all these are all practical takes. These, you know, this is these are all like oneers. Like we just see the car fly off the hill and slam down, and we see that hubcap fly off. <laughs> Who knows if that was even planned? Like that hubcap exactly. might have just flown off, and they were like, "That's a great take. Like put that in there." And I love, I love that about like these early '80s action movies. Like it was in a in a strange sense, there was a feeling of like guerrilla filmmaking happening with this like like oh that we've got a budget let's buy like four of these cop cars and just destroy them (laughs) you know just take them off as many jumps as we can until we don't have any of them anymore you know i just i love that about this it just feels so so fun i don't know yeah it's kind of like blues brothers with right 19 is that 1980 yes i think brothers where they're just beating the crap out of exactly the blues mobile the the old police car and then all the police cars themselves are just ramming into each other and (laughs) going up these stupid crazy jumps in uh what is it in milwaukee um i do i do have a quote from sly here though um okay filming he was (laughs) he was saying it was very dangerous. Uh, just, uh, just before I came on the road, we almost had a head-on collision. Uh, some people tried to knock off the highway, but they couldn't. And this one drug came by. And let me tell you, it was very, very close. I was ready to shake hands with the angels. <laughs> is, Sly, is Sly drunk? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the best I'm going to do. But I yeah. like it. I like it. <laughs> Oh man. Sly is hard harder to do than I thought he would be. He is hard he is hard to do. Yeah. yeah. I can't I can't do a good Sly. I, and he's very quiet in this movie until he really blows up uh around Troutman, like not necessarily at Troutman, but like really right, lets right. everything out uh towards the very end. It's over! Nothing is over! Nothing! You just don't turn it off! It wasn't my war! You asked me, I didn't ask you. 
And I did what I had to do to win, but somebody wouldn't let us win. All right. Well, um, action sequence is fantastic. Um, we should hit the third part here pretty quick. Do you have any other uh, uh, notes, uh, comments about uh, this uh, chase sequence? Uh, the last thing I'll say is this is taking place as he's in the town driving through the town then out of the town uh, in the fictional city of Hope, Washington. It's actually mm. filmed in Hope, British Columbia, Canada, um, along with other movies such as Shoot to Kill, K2, Hope Springs, Fire with Fire, White Fang 2, The Pledge, The Stick Up, Suspicious River, Windchill, Highway Through Hell, and A Dog's Way Home. So Man. in other words, a bunch of movies I'll never watch. That but- is a murderer's row of... Uh- <laughs> Movies set in the woods. <laughs> that, that's a lot, that's a lot of movies. It is this little this tiny little town. town. Yeah, yeah. And if if you want to see more details about the shooting locations of Rambo, well, don't worry. HopeBC.ca has you covered. So, like, the town is put together <laughs> in the website for the town. A whole list of the filming locations. If you scroll to the bottom of the notes, you'll see it. Where oh man, we need to make a little uh, pilgrimage to Hope BC. I think so because you know how close Hope is. It's it's only three and a half hour drive from where we are right now, which is nothing. It's wow, nothing. Like my family and I, uh, before the pandemic, were routinely going up to Canada at to Harrison Hot Springs for Mother's Day. Huh. Um, we had gone three years in a row. We we're planning to go last year, twenty twenty, for everything closed off. Yeah. And Harrison Hot Springs is only half an hour. Uh, away from hope. So the next time I go to Harrison Hot Springs, I'll definitely have to cruise over there. Um, I think, I think to me as a Northwesterner, like one of the big appeals for the movie also is him running through the woods and like, it doesn't it remind you of playing in the woods when you were a kid around here. Like uh, I didn't, well, I didn't really grow up as a kid. Oh, that's here, but right. Definitely, that's right. I was, you were Tennessee. I forgot yeah, we, we moved that. out yeah. during my middle school or my junior high days high school days. Uh, but I remember it like instantly just being awed and just wonder sized by the, the surrounding environment by like just these huge mountains that, you know, you could just spend days in and the woods are just beautiful and the, the water and the rushing rivers and waterfalls and cliff faces. Uh, this, this really harkens back like when he's running through the woods and like setting up makeshift uh, camping in the woods, uh, this kind of first impressions of, of the woods and brother yeah. of the show Aaron uh, was big into mountain rescue for his high school days and like his post high school days. Uh, and I'm sure he has spent a lot of time in and around the Hope BC area. Yeah. So I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. I've lived here my whole life. And so I have a childhood where I remember like I, I would go to a, a family friend's house uh, where they, it was um, they would babysit me there like all throughout my elementary school years. And their house was just on a large piece of property Mm -hmm. that was um, mostly wooded. And so me and um, their uh, son who happened to be the same age as me, um, who I'm still friends with to this day, we would play in those woods all around his house. Like, right constantly like all summer long we'd be outside in those woods and uh it's it, it's the northwest woods like i it reminds while well, watching this movie even you know it just reminds me of playing outside in those woods and so that, i think that's another reason why i just connect with this movie is the environment and the 
the the Pacific Northwest um, atmosphere. Like it's I I can see you know I can see Rambo you know, hiding in those caves and those and making tools out of those sticks and like me and my friends would do that when we were little kids. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, like playing playing war in the woods or whatever. Yeah, playing Rambo. Yeah, playing <laughs> playing Rambo, going Rambo. Um, totally, totally. Yeah. All right, so uh, should we get to uh, part three here, wrap up this scene? Let's do it. Part three of the, I was going to say the movie, part three of the scene. All right, part three of this scene. We're going to go from minute 19, uh, 15 seconds, all the way till the end of our scene, 21 minutes and five seconds. Rambo exits the farmland via a trail that's too small for Teasel's police car. Rambo bikes his way through the woods as Teasel radios in Rambo's projected location, which is Chapman Creek. Rambo exits the trail onto a mountain road, where Teasel again continues the chase. As Rambo crosses a washed-out portion of the mountain road, he is able to continue, but Teasel's car tumbles down the scree-covered washout, coming to a rest upside down on its horn, or excuse me, on its roof, with the horn blaring. Rambo stops the bike, looks back as Teasel exits the flipped car, groaning. Rambo's bike flips out as he tries to ride it up the mountain, so he continues on foot, following a mountain creep, a mountain creek upstream and uphill. Mm. Teasel yells after Rambo as he makes his way up the mountain. End of scene. Ooh, mm. Ooh so the, the, the chase might seem like it's over, but it's just beginning. No, it's just beginning. Um, I absolutely love so. In, in this portion of the scene, we get Teasel one more time. We see him bust through that wood fence with his car, <laughs> yeah. uh, further proving he does not give a shit about the condition of his uh, police vehicles. But then we get, you know, he's uh, following Rambo uh, up this mountain road. And as they get further, further up the hill, this mountain road becomes more and more decrepit and, and mm-hmm. washed out. And that scene where Rambo's able to continue, but but Teasel hits a portion of the road that's just too broken up and washed down and the car slides off the road. I absolutely love that shot. I don't know how you feel about it, but it's, I think it's just a really great shot of the car because the camera never cuts. We just see the car fall the whole time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And and that's what you were talking about. I mean, not to jump ahead too much, but that's what you're talking about where this was something that was not scripted. It was not scripted right. to be, it doesn't say exactly other than it says it was not scripted to, I think, end up in the position, but all the same, like it's just so effective in um, kind of diffusing some of the tension, like for like a moment, because like the yeah. rest of the tension is going to pick up realizing, well, he's just going to call the other cops to, to keep chasing Rambo. But like for right now, <laughs> Rambo at least has the dirt bike and Teasel's on foot. So there's no chance he's going to cat. Oh wait, crap. He just flipped the bike, but right. <laughs> no. Um, but just, just realizing like, okay, Rambo on foot is clearly going to um, get out of there, get out of that scene. So you can start to breathe that sigh of relief with that upside down car. But uh, yeah, like I was saying, you just know that the chase is going to continue in some way, shape or form. Otherwise. Yeah. Well, and that, that, that crash of Teasel's car, it's so great because it's not like a, a glory crash. He do, it's not, 
exceptional. He's not flying off the road and crashing headfirst into a tree trunk or something. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's a slow roll to his demise. Right? Right. Like, <laughs> he just sort of hits this point of the road. His car starts to kind of slide off. And then we just, the camera just holds on it and the camera does move, but only enough to just keep the car in the center of the frame. It never cuts away. And the car just slides down that hill and slowly sort of rolls over onto its side. Oh yeah. Then crashes upside down. And uh, I just love that they captured that on film and they just uh, never cut away. There's no, they don't try to make it like real exciting. They, they let the sort they, they, they let the, the chase scene ends sort of with a thud rather than like a, a bang, you know? Right. I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's there's no big explosion to end it. It's just it ends upside down with the horn honking. Right, uh, right. Very comical. Once you know that Teasel's fine, I I mean, I guess comical that he's fine. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely taking himself out of commission. I think this is is this the only place when it's upside down? If I pause it at twenty twenty nine, it's like I think that might be the only instance where I'm seeing a Washington license plate, this whole chase. Oh, because nice. upside down, you, you do nice see find. WSP yeah. Washington state patrol. Mm. as part of the license plate. I so love that this movie takes place in Washington state. I think, yeah, that's, uh, I love that. No, you don't get a lot of those. It's like Absolutely. this and Harry and the Hendersons, <laughs> or maybe that's in Oregon. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Oh yeah. I guess we were talking about those kind of movies. Like I also think about, um, Dante's Peak. Oh yeah, there you go. Came out I think ninety seven, so it was still pretty fresh to Washington, and another movie that really shows off the um, the natural beauty. Right. So before, uh, the, before the volcano erupts, of course. Before the volcano erupts, yes, terrifying. So after the car flips, Teasel climbs out, and uh, Rambo has ditched his bike because he can't quite take it up this steep mountain. This essentially, this mountain road has turned into a mountain path. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like a hiking trail and he can no longer ride the bike. So right. He, we, we think that's, that's a, that's my best guess. I'm not really right. sure as he's going up the hill, if he's following anything other than the Creek. Yeah. Yeah. I think he just kind of hits a point where he realizes he's um, after that car rolls over, he realizes he doesn't, you know, the, the bike's not going to help him. He just, he, it, it, if he can ditch the bike and ditch the sound of the bike, he might have a better chance of getting away. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I kind of think, but, but we get, you know, Rambo ditches his bike and he's uh, about to head off into the woods and Teasel gets out of the car shaken clearly, but he's okay. And, uh, we get, a uh, this, our scene ends with the line of Teasel yelling. I know you can hear me. You're finished. You've gone as far as you're going to go. You hear me? I know you can hear me. You've gone as far as you're gonna go! You hear me? Mm-hmm. Which in, re- in retrospect is uh, not true. <laughs> <laughs> right, he's gonna just keep going. He's gonna keep going. He's gonna go five through them. <laughs> right, exactly. He's gonna go through the Vietnamese and the Russians and then uh, the Russians again and... <laughs> Help out the uh, Taliban along the way. And the and, Burmese. And yeah. then I think a drug cartel from Mexico. I'm, mm. I'm still not sure. It just seems like a bunch of people who ran 
but this uh, is really yeah, the um, this is really the kickoff for the entire rest of the movie. Like this, mm-hmm. this is the setup for the rest. Like Rambo's headed off to the woods, and Teasel has made it clear that he's not going to stop trying to find him. And so now the movie is just going to bounce back and forth between Teasel and his men searching for Rambo and back to Rambo in the woods, trying to get away from Teasel and his men. And that is the film. And uh, after that chase sequence, like I said earlier, I am 100% there for it. Like, let's go. Yeah, I'm 100% hating these These cops cops. in this movie. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Just like, I'm going to arrest you for being homeless and not having a place to go. (laughs) And we're going to abuse you. And, I'm like, what? I can't believe you blew up at us. Or like, are you kidding? Right. <laughs> are you kidding? Like, that's, yeah, it seems like that should have been the thing you expected the most when you're pushing this guy, especially a, a veteran who has likely seen a lot of stuff that you all couldn't even imagine. Now, this, the the movie as a whole continues on and, and famously has, um, you know, spends most of its time following Rambo in the woods and uh, getting back at the cops and evading the cops and whatnot. But um, I, I, if you don't, I, I feel like this last section of the scene, there's not a whole lot to dwell on here. Um, and I kind of wanted to ask you like how you felt about the end of this movie. Ooh, I'm um, sorry. Sorry to catch question. you off guard there perhaps, but um, the, the end of this movie is pretty famous because you know, he, he blows up half the town and uh, he goes Rambo. He goes Rambo for the first time. Yeah. And then famously the movie ends with him just having kind of a mental breakdown. Mm hmm. Um, and sort of just being captured by the cops. And that's just sort of how it ends. And I was a little surprised by the ending, I guess is what I'm trying to say when I first saw it. Sure. No, that's, that's, that's accurate. Yeah. The way he right. Uh, ends in such like a pigeonhole uh, situation where by the end you, you think like at, at one point, I think when he's blown up the town and shooting the police station to pieces, you might be thinking like, okay, he's going to have his last stand, but then like just zip out of there. Instead it's turning into like a real life, not real life, but it's turning into a very, I don't know, more realistic version of a last stand where the police close in on the person and they take him out or the person takes himself out. In this case, like the novel and the, and one of the movie alternate endings has him essentially taking himself out um, specifically with making Troutman do it like as Rambo is basically confessing his breakdown, attributing it to all this uh, war trauma and losing his friends in war. And then like even the last friend he had, he comes to the States to find out, Oh, he died of cancer because of the war. Mm. Um, you, you, you find out just how far the war pushed him and it pushed him to this breaking point. Um, and he makes Troutman kill him in one way or the other. And there is an actual, alternate ending shot. I don't know if you've seen it. I can't spend the rest of my life in cellies. If I gotta die, I want you to do it. Don't let them do it. You train me. You made me. You kill me. You owe me that. I've not seen it. I've heard that there are multiple endings that were considered and or shot for this movie. Yeah, yeah you, can, you can see the ending on YouTube. He puts the gun in Troutman's hand and he like basically like makes Troutman pull the trigger, like you know, mm. shoves you know, Troutman's finger against the trigger and Troutman shoots him and Rambo dies. You know, you're hopefully sending him to 
a, a peaceful afterlife and yeah. not like this hellscape that he's been living like mentally, but also physically at times, very physically at times to the point where he's never not going to see these, uh, these ghosts. And that's, that's an impressive ending to put on this movie. Yeah. Um, really in the is. book, it definitely makes it, uh, right. Just a, a one and done. If that was the case with this movie, it'd be a one and done. But for some reason, kind of like keeping Darth Vader alive in star Wars, 1977, uh, Sylvester Stallone made the choice to keep, uh, Rambo alive. And, and really, like we talked about earlier, him not killing the, um, the police officers and the national guard really made it. So it didn't seem as necessary for him to have to die for the, uh, those killings. Yeah, well, Stallone's not a dummy. And, no. uh, you know, like you said earlier, this was the same year that he released Rocky Three. Mm-hmm. So there might have been a part of him in the back of his head that was like, if this movie is successful, I could capitalize and perhaps start releasing sequels. And, you know, I don't know if that was really his, his headspace or not, but I would not be surprised if that was in the back of his head, you know reworking mm-hmm. the ending of this movie. Yeah, it's just been in the back of my head. Yeah, just, uh, we can make another one. Uh, yeah. Rambo, uh, could, Rambo could go take pictures in Vietnam. <laughs> picture, yeah, I'm just yeah. take a picture. Yeah, maybe it's a blue light and it turns blue. Maybe he's uh, stick fighting in Thailand. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe the Russians are the real bad guys, you know, in like both movies. Taliban's okay, you know, it's the Russians <laughs> we need to fight. Yeah. <laughs> that's the best sorry everybody that's our best alone <laughs> that's that's what we got if it was arnold it would be a little bit different it would sound a little something like this what's got billy so spooked <laughs> oh all right um i think we're wrapping up our scene here huh yeah i think we're wrapping it up i'm just looking through my notes thinking through my own head I was going to um, talk a little box office if you want, if you have nothing else to add for uh, the end of the scene. Yeah, the mysterious year, 1982. What in the world is happening at the box office? 1982. So interesting top 10 here. Uh, not surprisingly, E.T. is our number one. Mm. Uh, and then we follow that up with Tootsie, an officer and a gentleman. Rocky Three, hey yo. Mm. Uh, Porky's at number five. Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan, Khan, and then, Khan. Khan, and then Forty Eight Hours, Poltergeist, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, <laughs> and Annie, which is a this is a really sort of varied top ten here in nineteen eighty two. Very interesting. This is yeah, like adults go to the movies and they take their kids to ET multiple times. <laughs> absolutely yeah let's go see et 10 times yeah it was yeah doubles the next uh highest grossing movie but yeah tootsie being the second and officer and a gentleman yeah 48 hours poltergeist these these are yeah these are some not as i would argue family friendly fair right Uh, yeah i think i think we're just like in the movie era 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 Era. Adult, uh, adult movies adult yeah. entertainment this yeah. is yeah this is uh yeah making s- movies with stories and characters and not franchises i think i see i do see a couple franchises rocky three and sure. star trek two yeah but i would argue star and trek porky's two is, one right? <laughs> <laughs> poltergeist one <laughs> um first blood does not make the top 10 but i think you calculated that it would have been around 13th for the yeah, year? yeah. Yeah. With the box office numbers, man, it is crazy. You look at Wikipedia, 
And then Wikipedia will say, this is the top 10, and we are citing Box Office Mojo. Then you'll click on Box Office Mojo, and it won't even like match the top 10. So I'm just going mm. off of what Wikipedia says. Sure. Uh, I'll definitely take their word that E.T. was number one because yeah. I remember how huge that movie was. I remember <laughs> specifically... Oh man, it's one of those movies that I just that's super popular with people that I just don't really care for for whatever reason. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's always kind of turned turn out kind of boring to me. And I think that's the same for um, brother of the show, Aaron. Huh. Uh, he and I have like this very solid memory of like being at a friend's house like over the Christmas break when we were kids, and like the friend's uncle comes over to the group of kids and it's like, all right, do you all want ET with commercials or without commercials? <laughs> I just remember Aaron and I just oh, really definitely like with commercials. We're, we're just like, yeah, we'll just, we just want to watch the commercial parts, but yeah, we didn't say anything at the time, but, but I, I just remember that being such a solid memory because we're both just not really, whoops, really caring for the movie. And so it was just kind of oh, funny. That's funny that ET was a big movie in my household growing up. Like, uh, I don't think we owned it or anything, but my parents loved it. And so I saw it a lot of times. So I have a, I have a soft spot for ET for sure. Yeah. 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 But yeah, this movie being 13th definitely gave the producers the green light to just keep churning out. People want the Rambo stories. You didn't kill them yeah. off. So we can definitely keep them uh, going, keep them going. And then he's, then he's just going to go kill crazy. Let's be honest. It's right. <laughs> right. Killing's not going to stop. <laughs> but yeah. Were there any other notables from 1982 that stood out for you? Oh, uh, let's see a few here. Um, <laughs> there are, this is a funny year for movies. There's a handful of little horror movies that I love and some, yeah. some bigger movies. The ones that jump out to me, I'll, I'll do a couple horror movies that jump out to me. Basket case yeah. is a super weird, uh, low budget indie horror movie that has kind of become a cult classic. Uh, of course we have the thing, which was a block, uh, yes. me, a, a box office, um, bomb, but has since become one of the most, you know, sacred horror movies of all time. Uh, mm-hmm. Blade Runner has a similar history. It was not a box office hit, but now of course it's Blade Runner. Um, we've got Tron, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Friday the 13th Part 3, uh, Creep Show, Halloween 3, Slumber Party Massacre. These are all great, great uh, horror movies. So check out those if you want to revisit 1982. Absolutely. Yeah, if, if you're a kid watching movies in 1982, it's kind of like E.T., um, <laughs> yeah. maybe Star Trek if you're old enough for that. Yeah. Uh, Annie, but itself, you know, Annie itself, the story is an orphan girl. So God, Annie's starting sucks. off. I hate yeah. Annie. <laughs> uh, but you also have Dark Crystal. Yikes. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's that's one from my youth that I remember that is terrifying. Secret of Nim. I don't know if you remember that one. I remember. That was, like, I do remember that one. And that oh, was God. a one of those weird, like, animated movies that, like, scared the shit out of me when I yeah. was six, seven years old. Yeah. I didn't know what NIM meant until I was an adult. It means the National Institute of Mental Health because that's who's experimenting on the rats in that movie that make them think oh, and talk. Jesus. I just this learned that right now. Wow. Terrifying Don Bluth movie. That guy made some uh, some nightmarish cartoons sometimes. Like, that's when really crazy. I, I remember being at like my friend's house whose parents were like evangelical Christians. Like very conservative. <laughs> like did not have cable. Did not let their kids watch anything. And they would just put on the secret of Nim. <laughs> I watched that. In, I'm pretty sure I watched that in school. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. That movie was. 
I, you know, I haven't seen it in th- probably 30 years, so I should go back and watch it again and see if it still like tickles that, that scary bone. But, uh, yeah, yeah. For, for a kid's movie. Yeah, absolutely. Cause that's one where the, like the animation is, is so detailed and just like so fluid. Yeah. I think it just make things really uncomfortable to look at. Right. Just, right. Man, like why we were just not making movies for kids yet. Or if they, if they were, yeah. they were just like super dumbed down stuff, but I, yeah, maybe I you need like, to choose a secret and nim scene. So I have an excuse to rewatch it. No, I'd rather no. no. Anything else? No, not anything else. But yeah, secret and them. Who knows? Like maybe the kids will see that someday when they're a lot older. Oh my god! All right. Well, I think we need to wrap things up here. Yeah. Um, So 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 we're gonna do top notch scene. Top notch scene. Thanks. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna talk about if this is better than Predator. We'll do some quick recommends, and then you're gonna reveal the next movie. How's that sound? I like it. So, John, is this better than Predator? Uh, I I'll say <laughs> my the table test. It really depends because mm-hmm. now that I've watched the first, well, now that I've watched all the movies, but have really uh, come to see how one, two, and three just like really ramp up with what they're doing, including adding some humor. Finally, in the third one. Uh, I would say if I'm in the mood of like a if I'm in the mood for like a series of movies, I would really have no problem picking up uh, First Blood, then Rambo First Blood Part Two, and then Rambo Three. Mm. Uh, but if I if I'm needing kind of that quick fix, I'm probably going Predator. But that said, I am 100% recognizing that Predator is pulling so many things, not just from First Blood, but also Rambo First Blood Part Two, uh, where he's like doing more of the same, but in the jungle itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a, so, it's a so tough for me, one. yeah. It's so for, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. If I if I want more of like a if I'm feeling more like emotional, like I want to kind of a, more of a sad story, definitely First Blood. If I'm looking more of kind of that satisfying justice done to the bad guy, that's Predator. This is a tough one for me because First Blood, because I came to it so late in my life, it's still got that fresh feeling. Yeah. It's like that, uh, the first six months of a relationship, you know, it's the honeymoon phase <laughs> with the 40 year old. Yeah. I'm still, I'm, I, I'm still like head over heels infatuated with first blood. Right. Whereas predator has been in my life for, you know, 30 years. So, uh, am I, you know, it's, it's hard to make the choice, but, um, gosh, I'm, I'm gonna, this is unprecedented. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to call it a tie. Wow. Am I allowed to do that? I think I just Yeah, did. yeah, you're definitely allowed to call, call it a tie. I'm going to call it a tie. These two movies. It's our show. <laughs> these two movies are so similar to me in, not in the plot so much, although there's some parallels there, but just in the, in the feeling that I have while watching them. Like they both like scratch that, 80s action movie itch that I that I want scratched, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know if I can choose one over the other in good conscience. I think I have to put them on the shelf next to each other. Yeah, and if, I, th- I, and I, I if think I don't if do, do that, I'll be upset with myself. I think if you do, I think you have to watch First Blood first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that way you're true. going out on kind of like a well, I don't know if it's a more positive note because at the end of Predator, he's basically. Uh, going back to the States like Rambo. <laughs> he just saw all his yeah. buddies gutted, blown up, 
Right. Stabbed. He's going to be wandering around uh, Hope, Washington, just looking for a place to eat. (laughs) Teasel's like, oh, my God. (laughs) Not another one. (laughs) You're good. This one's even bigger. (laughs) (laughs) This one's even bigger. (laughs) All right. Um, Recommends. What do you got for us this week, John? Uh, Bad Batch, the new Star Wars. I had a feeling you were going to say that. Yeah, I have a good feeling about this. No, what do they say? I have a bad feeling about this. I know what they say. They say I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> uh, but that's this is the newest um, Star Wars series out on Disney Plus. I think there are three episodes into a sixteen episode season, which I think is hilarious because wow. like so many of these shows that come out these days. I guess, in my opinion, when they're like of high quality, they're like six episodes, eight episodes. Right. And that's a good season or that's a good limited series, but not Bad Batch. It's this, uh, if you don't know what uh, Bad Batch is, it's following the, uh, gosh, I won't call it the adventures. It's called, it's following the story of this specific group of clone troopers, basically right after Order 66 takes place in Revenge of the Sith, where mm. all the clones have been ordered to kill all the Jedi and help transform the Republic into the Empire. Hey, much like what we're studying in my classes, Rome turning from a Republic to an Empire. Mm. Uh, But this one group of soldiers, they're the Bad Batch, they're genetically modified. One of the things that were modified about them was this inhibitor chip that um, basically controlled them at all, that would take control at a certain time, specifically with Order 66 handed down by the Emperor. Um, at the end of the Clone Wars. Uh, so they do not turn on their Jedi Masters. Instead, uh, they start to go on the lamb from like the newly brainwashed clone army and this newly, uh, this new fledgling empire. Um, so hmm. we're just three episodes in. We don't really know what's going to happen next, uh, but it, it is an animated Star Wars series. Just be aware of that. Um, it's created though by Dave Filoni, who's done a lot of good Star Wars work. Um, in the po- in the pre Disney era, but also in the Disney era, um, specifically era. with things era, specifically with things like the Clone Wars final season, um, and other characters being developed, and some of those characters now showing up in things like the Mandalorian. Hmm. Yeah, uh, but that is Star Wars: The Bad Batch going on right now. I, th- I think there are so many episodes that it actually will be a show that's not over for once when this episode comes out. <laughs> and still be some more going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what about right. you, Jeff? Uh, I have a, a little bit of a meta recommend here. I, I'm going to I'm gonna recommend uh, Rambo First Blood Part 2. <laughs> oh, right. That is a surprise. Yeah, because uh, I like I said, I had seen First Blood a bunch of times, but in preparing for this podcast, I rewatched part two and then part three. And I had seen part two probably, I don't know, 30 years ago or something. Uh, and in watching both of those movies, um, I enjoyed part three for what it was. But I, I felt like part two was actually a pretty tight, good action film. Um, a little bit of a caricature of the Rambo character, for sure. But um, man, you could see they spent a lot of money on that movie and it was all on the screen. Yes. And, uh, it's if you're looking for literally the most stereotypical 80s action movie that you could ever imagine, Rambo First Blood Part 2 is your horse. So if for some reason you have never seen this movie, go watch it. It's too much fun. And I highly recommend the 4K transfer uh, that I bought off of Amazon for only like $13. If you're going to oh. watch it and 
spend a third. If you have a 4K player, buy the 4K. It's fantastic. Right. Send your thirteen dollars to Jeff, uh, yeah. and he'll send you his 4K transfer. The, the 4K has it has no that movie has no reason looking that good. Like it looks fantastic in huh. 4K. It was really fun to watch. So there's my recommend. Well, I don't have a 4K TV, but um, oh. I think the versions I did rent on Amazon. Uh, were the 4k versions uh, uh, they, they look great on the phone and my my computer and like on our <laughs> tiny tv so right. uh, i can i can say the the movies look good all right we've reached the moment that everyone's been waiting for what's that john you are going oh. to reveal our next movie right isn't that where that's, we're at yeah that's right the recurring segment where one of us choose the next scene yes and it's your movie. turn Let's Are you flipping it. through your library right now, trying to figure it out? Oh, no. I, I had this picked out a couple <laughs> nights ago. It, no, was, no. I'm joking. <laughs> brother, the, brother of the show, Zach, was really helping me uh, verbally process. Not normally a verbal processor, but it helps sometimes when you really need to process. Sure. Um, and, yeah, I was discussing some scenes, and there's a whole bunch of scenes I have lined up. And, like, I think what's fun about doing some of these scenes is some of these scenes are going to be – appropriate for the time of year they're coming out and we're sure. entering into the summer season yeah. what some might say is the baseball season if you follow <gasps> sports oh, well, I'm <laughs> oh. Excited now. so we're gonna have not a baseball movie jeff oh, but we're going to have one of the better baseball scenes ever put to celluloid <gasps> a scene in which someone sings the national anthem <laughs> and then umpires a baseball game oh my god did, do you, do you have naked, any idea? Naked what gun? I'm yes! <laughs> <laughs> it's Enrico Palazzo! Hey! It's Enrico Palazzo! Yes! <laughs> I'm so excited to rewatch this movie! That's oh my awesome. god. In this city, there's crime on every street. But one man has seen enough. Ooh. He's Lieutenant Frank Drebin. Whatever scum did this, not one man on this force will rest for one minute until he's behind bars. Now let's grab a bite to eat. He's a good cop who's having a bad day. His best friend... Oh, everyone should have a friend like you. ...is in a coma. As soon as Nordberg is better, he's welcome back at police squad. But I wouldn't wait until the last minute to fill out those organ donor cards. His girlfriend... <laughs> ...asked him to look her up. Nice beaver. Thank you. I just had it stuffed. Let me help you with that. And his city is in the hands of a master criminal with a sinister plan. I must kill the queen. How can any police story contain this much action? This much romance? I like cops. Or this much baseball? Starring Leslie Nielsen, a cop who's always on the alert. Mikhail Gorbachev. I knew it. Queen Elizabeth, everyone's favorite queen. Priscilla Presley, a woman who really cooks. How hot and wet do you like it? Ricardo Montalban. Frank. You're both right. George Kennedy, the partner with an appetite for danger. O.J. Simpson, as you've never seen him before. And Reggie Jackson in his first dramatic role. In a movie so big, it had to be filmed in color. 
The Naked Gun, from the files of Police Squad. See you then. It is, it is a movie, not just a movie, or not just a scene, but a movie that has been near and dear to the three Zabriskie boys' hearts growing up. Me, Aaron, and Zach. Uh, we love this scene to death. We love the movie to death. But like the scene, I have to, I'm so sorry that I have to break our five to six minute rule. The scene, the scene is actually, when you add up the time when Frank Drebin assumes the persona of Enrico Palazzo to when he actually <laughs> saves the queen and unveils his mask and everybody still thinks he's Enrico Palazzo. Uh, it's about 14 minutes long. I hope that's oh, okay. Wow. Okay. No, let's do it. Fuck it. I mean, let's go. Yeah. There's a lot of just like kind of the zany action and there's right. There's not going to be like a ton to like analyze when it comes to the zany action, but there's all sorts of little bits and pieces, visual gags, uh, some like sports related gags. Uh, sorry, but there's a touch of homophobia, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it had everything. It's got everything yeah. in an 80s comedy scene. Uh, but yeah. Can you give us uh, and the listeners at home a, a timestamp? Do you have that in front of you? Yes, yes, yes. So <laughs> at, at one hour, two minutes, and three seconds, he karate chops Enrico Palazzo, the opera singer. <laughs> <laughs> I think he says, is that some snot behind your ear? (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, one hour, 16 minutes, 45 seconds, he uh, takes that. Well, right after taking out Reggie Jackson with the (laughs) fat lady (laughs) with the sleeping dart. (laughs) Sorry, it's hard to explain. But the uh, then he takes (laughs) that. That is when he's taken off the mask and revealing that he's Frank Drebin, not the umpire, but the people also yell, that's Enrico Palazzo. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo. I love it. I love that you circled back around to a comedy. Yes. And uh, that we keep on mixing things up here. And this is a movie that is also near and dear to me that uh, used to be on HBO all the time when I was a kid. And my sister and I, I have distinct memories of my sister and I, in the summertime, like my, our parents were at work. We were old enough to be at home by ourselves. And like, I would shout down the hall, Hey, naked gun is on HBO. And she would run down and we would sit down. And for the next two hours, we were doing nothing but watching naked gun. So I have not watched this movie in, in, in full and probably, I don't know, 20 or 30 years. Like I've seen bits and pieces of it, of course, rewatch scenes, but uh, I have not watched the whole thing in full in a very long time. So I am super excited to do that. And uh, thank you for choosing that scene from this movie. Fantastic. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm so excited to watch this. Um, as usual, I'll probably just go the, the whole nine yards. I'll watch all three movies. I'll, I'll <laughs> I was probably, thinking the same thing. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably try. I've seen the third movie, honestly, the most out of any of the three. Oh, funny. I, I don't know why. I think it's the one we had on VHS first and then we sure. had the first one and then we had the second one. So I had to do a lot of catch up. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely have strong, strong memories of watching this. I probably last watched this five, six years ago. Mm. Uh, definitely worth a revisit. Um, not just the scene, but the whole movie and the whole franchise. I'll probably even watch, I can't remember how many episodes of police squad. The show it was based on. There were, it can't be that many. It's probably like, six or seven or eight and they're all very short episodes all right well there it is uh ladies and gentlemen there's our next movie 
Um, with that, uh, is it time to wrap things up, John? I think it's time to wrap things up. So, Jeff, we didn't do this last episode, I don't think. Or maybe it was two episodes ago. Maybe it was a super We were trippers. too busy with Sean Connery impressions. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Great. Dude. Uh, where can people find you, John oh, Well, you can find me <laughs> in the canyon of the crescent moon. <laughs> Get you a little self-reliance. <laughs> Instead of uh, burning them. <laughs> instead of burning them. I am Jeff Glover. You can find me on the Twitter at Carl underscore Hungus314. Follow me there. My name is Carl been expert. John, where can we find all things seen at all? Uh, you can find all things seen at all. First off on Twitter at seen at all. That's S-C-E-N-E at all underscore. Hmm. Of course, because when, when you say seen at all, there's a silent underscore. I don't silent know. Silent underscore. The underscore is silent. <laughs> the underscore is silent. Uh, you can also join the Facebook group. It's just the name of the show, Seen It All with Jeff and John. But you can email the show, Seen It All Podcast at gmail.com. Remember, that's S C E N E, It All Podcast at gmail.com. And we did receive our first listener email via hey. this email address. This is from longtime Predator Minute listener. Nice. Mike. Yeah. Stick Mike around. P. Stick around. Stick around. Mike P writes, Hey boys, your old pal Target is the center of the Palapa. Mike here. <laughs> <laughs> Target's the center of the Palapa. Target's the center of the Palapa. Target's the center of the Palapa. Target is the center? Target. Hmm. Right, right. That's right. We just we had that whole debate and we then we're that whole like, conversation. Yeah. That makes more sense to say Target's the center of the Palapa. Yeah. He says, he continues to write, been loving the new show. <laughs> Mike P writes, been loving the new, no, okay. It's my Casey Kasem. <laughs> been loving the new show. Was really <laughs> bummed when I didn't get Predator 2 minute by minute. Hmm. Oh, we were bummed too, Mike, but we just didn't want to. Uh, but, <laughs> but this format has been quite enjoyable and great work on the commentary for Pred 2. There Was stoked to hear you guys. <laughs> Ask for emails. I am a social media Luddite, so excited to be able to let you know. I am still here listening, enjoying myself very much. Need to get Brother Aaron on for a guest scene soon. And more yeah. drops. More Sekar drops. He says, Sekar Ramrod. Sekar Ramrod. <laughs> Sekar Ramrod. <laughs> Looking forward to Super Troopers. Cheers, lads. Mike sent from 12,500 feet and falling because he loves skydiving. Nice. Mike Thanks, Mike P. That's awesome. We love the listener emails. If anybody out there uh, has any scene suggestions or uh, um, would just like to uh, let us know that you're listening, please uh, drop us that email or come on by the uh, the listener group on Facebook. I would tack on to there if you uh, have the time. If you like this show, get on to iTunes and rate and review the show. That does help. And uh, we would really appreciate any uh, five-star reviews that you'd be willing to give us. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Do it. Do it now. What are you waiting for? Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Um, all right. Well, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's do it now. Do it now. All right. So for uh, all things seen at all with Jeff and John, I've been John Zabriskie. And I am Jeff Glover. And until next time. Stick around. Stick around. <laughs> Oh, you threw me off. Usually, I did? usually you do this stick around and I go stick around. Stick around. Wow. <laughs> That's what we did. I said stick around. No, no. You I, rewind the tape, everybody. You said stick around. Stick around. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
<laughs> did, I did too you, much of it. You kind of mashed up. That, that was I good. mashed them together. All right. You effectively threw all right, me out. All right, all right. Hang on. The recurring segment where Jeff says, Stick around. Stick around. <laughs> Stick around. Stick around. <laughs> nailed it the second time. There we go. That's that's how it goes. You're right. I have no edits this time. Could you imagine? <laughs> oh, terrible. Wow. No edits. I know you can hear me! You're finished! You've gone as far as you're gonna go! You hear me? You wanna see me, yeah, you wanna see me Like when the xenomorph took out Harry Dean You wanna see me, yeah, you wanna see me Like when Bobby D says you're talking to me You can go to the diner for a meal with Meg You can yell at your class, stab yourself in the leg You can upgrade your boat for when sharks attack You can be like Arnold, tell him I'll be back You wanna see me, yeah, you wanna see me Like when the xenomorph took out Harry Dean You wanna Scene, yeah, you wanna see like when Bobby D says you're talking to me. Jeff and John talk scenes and quotes. Jeff improvises while John takes notes. From Mozambique to Montreal, you can join in the chat on Scene It All. You wanna see, yeah, you wanna see like when the Xenomorph took out Harry Dean. You wanna see, yeah, you wanna see like when Bobby D says you're talking to me. Seen it all with Jeff and John.